Hey, Alice. Uh, I've, I've seen you before. You're that, that weird person that keeps walking in on my conversations. Um, you walked in on another conversation I'm having with Joseph Jared. Hello. Thanks Hi, for uh, being here again. Thank you for having me, Alex. It's, it's been a minute since we, uh, last time you were on. I, yeah, I think that was uh, sometime in, towards the end of 2021. Yeah, oh, oh, wow. So 2021. It's, it's been... Uh, year and a half almost two years wow. yeah. i was gonna say it's yeah. almost been a year but you're right it's been longer than that because mm -hmm. it was around the time it was before marriage came out i believe yeah I think, I think it was like the week that we uh released our last record and what a momentous time because now you're releasing a new record for sure yeah we're very excited um this is cinema junkie live for no one at the five spot uh it is a live album um, it is, uh, a live performance of, uh, our first album, Cinema Junkie, which we released in 2016. And, um, we recorded this, uh, as a live stream, uh, in early 2021, uh, at the five spot uh while they were still shut down uh i think it was it was like less than a month before they ended up reopening so we kind of got this in under the wire with them doing uh those shows that they uh live streamed and recorded and um we uh played our whole first album and uh we were so happy with how it came out that we're like well we got to put this out uh so um it's taken a while to get it together, but um, we finally have it ready to release this week. And uh, it's our first time having anything on vinyl, which we're really stoked about. That's awesome. And it looks uh, it looks very pretty as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Emily, uh, you know, my wife, bandmate, who, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, designed the whole thing. And did oh, the wow. Really? Um, and uh, hand wrote all the credits on the back as well. That's awesome. And, so uh, she did the cover. She did the cover, yeah. So this was based on a photo uh, from the uh, original album cover um, of uh, me in a movie theater, kind of looking a, a okay. little, little haunted by the screen, if you will. <laughs> um, and uh, what movie were you seeing? Uh, I'm trying to remember. So that photo I would have taken. Uh, it was at the Belcourt. Mm -hmm. um, like right before they shut down to remodel i don't know if you were around then I, i've been to the bell court yeah. um i don't remember <laughs> the old the old bell court this, so this would have been like 2015 okay yeah. so yeah a long time ago no that, i came to nashville in 2015 <laughs> okay so i i probably missed that yeah 
but uh the the old the old bell court was uh, a big part of my life for a long time gotcha and uh so uh i if i'm not mistaken uh the movie i was seeing when i took the photo that ended up on the cover was uh the 2015 version of macbeth okay with uh michael fassbender and marion cotillard I don't know if you've I've seen that once a long time uh-huh. ago very stoned I have a vague yeah. recollection <laughs> that, that seems like it'd be a good yeah stoned movie I remember yeah. liking it yeah it's pretty good I, Macbeth is my favorite Shakespeare so mm-hmm. um yeah but uh that was really at a time in my life when I was like just literally going to see just about every movie <laughs> um and that kind of uh informed uh this record which we wrote and, and made it that around that same era as well. Do you mind if I hold it up for Alice? Of course, to see yeah. cover? Yeah. Sure, totally. Look how beautiful this is. <laughs> um, the actual vinyl itself is also very nice. Yeah. Um, there's the front by Emily. And um, yeah, so they wrote the back too. It's very nice. Yeah. You can get one of these at their show. Um, when this goes up, it'll be next thursday so this uh you can get this tomorrow um and you guys will be where where's that release at so uh we're having we're having our release show uh friday the 25th uh at the vinyl lounge oh perfect yeah uh now um they have a a vinyl pressing plant at that location which is not where we had these done but um it did still seem like a fitting place for a release show for our first vinyl uh so um we're excited to to play there for the first time as well um we've got a bunch of great bands on it um yeah i saw echo pilots on there echo pilot uh you know um a couple of couple of folks that have uh played at our house shows at, at dollywood when we've had those um and then uh some old friends of ours as well uh which i get i could give the whole rundown uh justin Payne and company uh echo pilot Plastic Angels, uh, Mice on the Drive, and Us, The Dangerous Method. Hell yeah. Are you doing the album? Are you playing the album? <laughs> um, so we're we're not planning to play the whole album. Ironically, like, this album is a live performance of a whole album. So we kind of felt like doing that again oh, would be a little... funny. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it I see what you're a little, saying. It seemed a little redundant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, gonna... <laughs> you should you should do the album in its entirety at Vinyl Lounge and record it yeah. and then release that. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a, a meta. It never ends. Uh, down a, down a old. No, um, we're we're excited to to play some of this, but also do some newer stuff. So. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for being here. I appreciate you being here. Totally. Um, definitely go tomorrow to Vinyl Lounge to see them perform. Um, I Cinema Junkie is a very apt title for a the dangerous method uh, record because for sure uh, knowing you and emily you guys are very much cinema junkies it's true yeah um i uh i got really into film i guess uh in college and uh just kind of had this drive to watch everything I, I, ha- I had these like books and lists that were like, these are all the movies you need to watch, The Essentials. I kind of went down like every one of those that I could find and wanted to complete all these and, and check the titles off. And uh, that, that kind of became a, an obsession a little bit and a big part of my life for a long time. 
and uh you know my my now wife emily and i were uh started dating in college and um we kind of uh shared that whole thing together for a long time where'd so, you guys go to school uh so i went to we, we didn't go to the same school um i went to trevecca Nazarene university here in oh, Nashville. yeah and uh emily went to austin p in clarksville oh okay cool um so a lot of back and forth those years meeting in the middle yeah um did you ever consider getting into film like making film you know it's it's interesting like as much as I kind of like love consuming films and watching them and and thinking about them uh I I've never really had all that much interest in in the filmmaking process for myself I I like learning about how other people do it and yeah knowing the background of things but uh I guess uh, you know, music has always sure sort of been the, the focus and the priority. That's that's how I feel about music. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a, I'm right. a big You're consumer. An, an appreciator. Yeah. And, yeah. And you like known about it and kind of curating and yeah. And I uh, yeah. I I was really sheltered growing up. So like when I turned 18 and like I guess I was I was younger than that, probably like 16 and like really uh became part of the internet you know mm-hmm. um like I had a lot of catching up to do on like the class like so I, I no, went through yeah. like IMDB like essentials like right and I watched all the classics um so I, I kind of had like a renaissance of going through these movies sure uh, yeah. yeah I I I think my experience was pretty similar to that because <laughs> I I think I did uh kind of come come later to a lot of that stuff yeah than a lot of people did well have you seen anything good recently I mean, like this I, year, I guess. I, sure. Uh, I, like I know it's a a, a bit of a, a a cliche at this point, but I, I went to see Oppenheimer and Barbie. Barbenheimer on the same day, and it it that was wait. In, which order did you see him in? Oppenheimer, uh, in seventy millimeter IMAX, which was was mind blowing, and then and then Barbie afterwards. You have to do it that way. I think that seemed right. Yeah it's it's well it is right and it's absolutely wrong to see barbie and then go see oppenheimer yeah i think you unless you just want to like have bummer vibes Mm. at the end of the ride i'm i I haven't (laughs) seen either and i wanted to do the barbenheimer experience i haven't seen either yet i I mean i guess it's still out there yeah there's still time i might shit i might do that this weekend yeah um great idea yeah. But no, like to, to me, like it's became a, this became such a, a meme and a joke and a, a, a lot of hype was built around it. But yeah, I found that it was one of those experiences where all of that hype was totally justified. Like I thought both of those movies were like absolutely amazing at what they were achieving and kind of at a high level of what each of those kinds of movies could be <laughs> that's and, cool and uh having that contrast kind of really uh i don't know just helps you appreciate what yeah both of them are about you know so it ended up actually being like a good pairing i yeah not totally. just a meme yeah. and and the, you know they're they're d- very different obviously but i think they're both like kind of thought-provoking and serious-minded in their own ways that's funny to yeah. to hear that about Barbie, but I, based on what I know about it, that seems true. I yeah, I I think they they kind of loaded it up with a lot of, uh, I I mean, it's like topical. Yeah, it's topical. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a about uh, 
just society, uh, gender relations, um, patriarchy, feminism. There's a, there's a lot of themes running under the surface of that, uh, and and on the surface of that that uh, uh, I found really compelling. Do you feel like it's it's genuinely for all ages, or do you kind of have to be older to appreciate a lot of the nuances? Yeah, I, w- I wonder if uh, I wonder what kids are getting out of it. I'm sure mm. that like just kind of the 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 fun silly parts of it are are more for them. But then there's other stuff going on for them. Might, might go over their head. Yeah, it, yeah. it probably does. But I, I think they probably still yeah still enjoy i think a lot of the best kids movies are actually like that like yeah uh, one of my like i made uh, a few years ago i made a list of like my top 15 films mm-hmm. and <laughs> like um lego movie yeah. ended up like in the like the top four or five um like in between like the shining and apocalypse now so sure, it's like yeah, sure. super dark and depressing and then lego movie Again, and like yeah. lego movies like that too where it's it's one of my favorite films like unironically because like there's actually it is it's a kids movie but there's like a lot going on yeah in that film no i agree and i i think uh barbie really uh kind of uses the lego movie as a as a reference mm. and a jumping off point in a lot oh, of ways that's but awesome it, it kind of like how to build a story around like a, a product that we all yeah you know, are familiar with <laughs> and kind of uh in, investigate what those things mean to us i guess yeah, yeah. a cultural icon for sure yeah. um have you seen skinamarink i i did see that i saw it in theaters yeah oh wait where'd you see it uh i they they released it like for for one day at a few theaters oh and, man uh, we went to the one uh the hollywood 27 okay 100 oaks um yeah and i man i i'm not one to like get super scared by horror movies i enjoy horror movies just because i like the aesthetic um but there's not a lot that really scares me but i found that i found skin and like genuinely deeply unsettling yeah and i i was like seriously pretty shook up after watching it (laughs) It yeah, took, took me a while to kind of feel normal again. <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah. That's my experience with that movie as well. Uh, is like, yeah, man, it's a little bit demanding of your attention. Yeah. Like, um, like you have to dedicate yourself to the. Yeah. You can't be looking at your phone or anything. No, I, I think, I think, uh, seeing it in the theater really, I can imagine, was, was uh, a lot that's... easier to to lock into it. Than yeah, it would have been otherwise. I, I'd be interested to see if it would work as well. I watched it not. Yeah. <laughs> with a friend, and I think that was um, a mistake. But it's still like I think we both were kind of like, "This is I don't feel right. This is yeah." Up. And it's hard to really describe or put into words like how it's accomplishing that. But I think what it is is somehow it like seriously puts you in the perspective of being a small child yeah which is not something that i've seen very much i i totally agree um that that movie had like a like a fifteen thousand dollar budget yeah filmed it in his the house he grew up in as a kid and um uh one of the things 
I watched a short little thing with the director and he was talking about how um, like basically like less is more like um, like there's a lot of shot. If you haven't seen it, Alice, there's a lot of shots of just like empty hallways, like opaque darkness. And what that forces you to do is like put something in that darkness. Mm -hmm. And that's that is scarier than anything that they could show you. 100 yeah yeah he does a lot with very little in that film i, I thought it was very well done for what it is skin yeah. rings one of those films that it's like um people either are like wow this is dumb <laughs> or they're like holy shit this yeah. is one of the scariest movies i've ever seen yeah it, it it worked for me definitely i felt the latter about it yeah i think it's all about like we were talking about like um like if you're willing to invest yourself to this that yeah that you have to buy into skin right yeah i think that's true of a lot of the best uh movies shows I, yeah books music whatever you know yeah that's that's a good point if you're not it, it's not going to work if you're not willing to let it work on you yeah, yeah. it's yeah uh, we, i'll get off the skin of marine care in a second but <laughs> no go ahead yeah i i really appreciated that film um just it, it did something uh, i've never seen a film like that yeah like there's there's nothing like skin and totally itself and yeah its own thing unique uh yeah I, I can't like like you said i can't remember the last time i was like scared of a movie like that mm-hmm. that actually the only other film i can like remember like being like genuinely afraid of mm-hmm. was um get out but i have a yeah. particular relationship with get out because when i saw it i was on mdma and it was the first time I had done Molly and um interesting choice yeah so I thought I had done Molly until I did Molly and then I was like oh whatever I did before was not this oh interesting yeah so uh I did that and it you've seen the film right oh yeah it got to the I didn't even make it that far into it because um there's there's a scene where uh, the main character comes into the house after he's smoking a cigarette and he sits down and there's like a whole hypnosis scene. Yeah. Um, t- kind of like towards like the middle beginning of the film. Yeah. The, the first sunken place. Yeah. Part. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. And um, I didn't even like get to the sunken place part. I remember very distinctly, I was watching this movie and she's ringing the cup mm-hmm. and she's putting him in a trance and this skip like five minutes if uh, you haven't seen get out but like uh like she's she's putting him in this trance and um he kind of has him she she's like do you smoke in front of my daughter and um he has a moment where he goes like wait are we already and then she puts him back under but when he kind of had like a moment of rec- like um clarity yeah i realized i felt strange mm-hmm. and i'm like this movie is fucking with me this movie is doing something to me like mm-hmm. man, like trying to manipulate me in some way i've seen this movie not under the influence of drugs yeah and i don't think that's what's happening just to be clear <laughs> but it is somehow the combination of the stimuli yeah. was in the back of my head yeah. i'm still kind of like are they aware of the effects that this is going to have on people like um <laughs> particularly susceptible to this kind of influence i wonder yeah it makes me wonder mm. uh <laughs> i don't i don't think there's necessarily anything nefarious going on with that but um i never felt something like that because 
usually a horror movie is like um you're you're disturbed by grotesque imagery this felt like an attack i felt like mm. i was <laughs> under attack and i've never had a, a movie experience like that outside of that yeah yeah well i i think jordan peele is very intentional about wanting to have an effect on audiences and he's another filmmaker who kind of loads things up with ideas yeah um i i really loved uh nope that oh. came out last year i don't know if you've seen that but um that's not um he's done three now i believe mm-hmm. yeah. um get what... out us and and, us. Nope, and nope was the most recent us yeah. is the other one i've seen i haven't seen nope yet yeah was that good i i loved it um it, it's kind of uh i guess not as overtly like horrifying uh as as the other two but it, it's it's got sort of a lighter tone in a way but i i also feel like it's another one where he he really kind of has a lot of ideas under the surface and it, it it kind of pushes buttons in the brain to think about a lot of different topics and it's kind of on the audience member to to piece together what's going on in that film i feel like I yeah i really liked it a lot do you and Emily watch a lot of movies together or is it like one of you will find something and be like, you got to watch this? <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's kind of evolved a little bit over the years, I guess. Um, back in the day, we, we started uh, going through some of those lists together and kind of were like, all right, we're going to watch all these together. And then um, I don't know, there, there was a time there where I, I think maybe uh, uh, Emily got burned out on the whole list thing and she was like i i don't really want to keep going with this for now like an errand yeah 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 i I think uh it it uh was maybe a little too much pressure Mm. uh and so i you know i kept on finishing some of that on my own and um now it varies there's stuff there's stuff that i'll watch and then recommend to her and vice versa or or stuff that we'll watch together um it really depends that's probably healthier than like going down a list of, yeah uh, i mean i i think that has its place but like it, I, I think anything that you get uh and like overly attached to or or uh hung up on in that way is is maybe not the the best mindset to have. yeah uh and i, I kind of uh explored that a little bit in this album i i would say that's the cinema junkie concept um especially uh junkie the first track is uh sort of explicitly about that sort of push and pull in their relationship and gotcha yeah so is, is it a concept record it didn't even occur to me to doubt till now um so loose loosely i would say um there there are several songs uh that are named after uh filmmakers or actors um and kind of uh surveying a particular film or a particular person's body of work and and kind of uh i guess applying that to one's life um there's a song called uh keaton which (laughs) is uh inspired by uh buster keaton the silent uh film comedian filmmaker um and there's just a lot of images on that song that i draw from his work he he kind of uh had this famous persona of 
being a great stone face um, and uh, sort of uh, having specific goals that he like very tenaciously uh, worked towards no matter what obstacle and all the time like not showing any emotion or fear or reaction to it and uh, I kind of wrote a song about that um, there's a song on this record called Nicolas Cage <laughs> uh who uh oh i've heard that yeah, yeah yeah uh that's one we play live pretty often mm -hmm. um we released that as one of the singles from this live record as well um and uh the concept of that is uh um kind of talking to a loved one who is this unique and amazing person but also uh kind of they they have a tendency to lose their way and disappoint mm. which is uh how i sort of felt about uh nicholas cage's films <laughs> at a certain time like that's understandable yeah yeah he's, he's absolutely super hit or miss i guess has has always been one of my favorite actors like he's undeniably incredibly talented but um kind of went through a period where uh he kind of just had to take whatever movie yeah. was, was offered. He had some financial problems. So that wasn't long ago. Yeah. Just yeah. sort of through the 2010s, most mm -hmm. of that decade, I would say, which is, yeah. you know, when we read all this. So just a bunch of just like interchangeable, low budget, red box thriller kind of, and it was, it was hard for a while to wade through and, and find, uh, what would be worthwhile of his to watch and kind of using that as a metaphor for relationship i thought was an interesting concept for yeah him, so. that's a that's a cool concept uh for a song like because i get i get what you're saying like um we probably all know someone like that and uh <laughs> we, we all know a nick cage <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> uh, i it's so funny i was just talking to a coworker today about nick cage mm -hmm. and um i was i was telling them about a movie uh called joe joe yeah i actually i that very, movie has yeah yeah I ha the movie has a, like a special place in my heart but it's so fucked up it's mm. so dark but i i feel like he did a really great job in that uh yeah it, and that it, was kind of in the era of where he was like doing all these weird movies for sure that was in the middle of it that was like one of the few like good ones good spots in that period i would say and it i i feel like over time like he he kind of has developed some sort of like ticks and traits as an actor where he he's good at like going way over the top and kind of like having big moments of ridiculousness or being hyper expressive or or what have you but uh joe is one of the rare films where i feel like he just didn't rely on any of that and just kind of was in the character and yeah and went deep with it yeah that's one of yeah. my favorites for sure it hits hard um yeah he's he's a very like versatile actor too and like there's i feel like um one of his like best like qualities is like he's got like an instantly recognizable well face but also voice like yeah like he's got a very iconic voice right he should, uh, i wonder if he's done much voice acting actually um he, he's definitely done a few he was in uh into the spider-verse oh yeah as uh uh 
one of the Spider-Mans. Yeah. Was the, it noir? It was the noir. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was the noir one, I believe. Um, and uh, he's done a few other animated movies, but uh, um, that was that was definitely a good one. Yeah. He he's very versatile. Like done a lot of comedy. Done a lot of like serious roles. Yeah, and that's I don't know what I found inspiring about him. Even through all that kind of a down period, was like uh, he he never like just phoned it in. You know, mm. like even if the movie he was in wasn't anything particularly inspiring or special, he kind of showed up and and still invested himself in it and i think that's like i don't know a good a good life lesson in a way (laughs) on that he's also like um a prolific meme like there's so many memes around nick cage like the yeah and uh that's that's from vampire's kiss which if you haven't seen is another great movie (laughs) i haven't just familiar to me and then um wicker wicker man uh no that's not wicker man uh, <laughs> oh no not the bees yeah, yeah wicker man yeah that yeah, is wicker man? From wicker man yeah wow yeah it, <laughs> iconic. i think it's just a testament to like him just going for it no matter what right and like yeah it's like this movie is garbage but at least <laughs> nick cage like he's he's committed yeah it's a real artist <laughs> absolutely he uh, yeah uh you know it's even even though uh and that's that's the point of the song. Like at the end of the day, even if somebody uh, is is doing things that you don't always think are great or don't understand, like they've still just got that spark that you love. Mm. And I, I do definitely feel that way about Nick Cage and yeah. as well. What yeah. what other um, songs on the record are based after uh, film stars or directors? Yeah, um, there is. Uh, another song uh called wells which was uh inspired by the career of orson wells who uh directed susan kane at a very young age and uh that was hailed by a lot of people for a lot of years as possibly the greatest film ever Mm. made and um i'm definitely a huge fan of it um but then uh him uh kind of not being given that level of control or resources ever again after that because it wasn't a success in the ways that they wanted it to be Mm. the people who uh put him in that position you know uh so i don't know I i found something sort of existential about that like what do you do when uh the the like the first thing you do is the best thing that Mm. you'll ever do that's tough (laughs) yeah there's a lot of artists um run into that issue like um we recently did a clockwork orange for the book club and um anthony burgess does a forward where he's like this is my least favorite work and Mm -hmm. it's like my by far my most popular yeah and he also hates like kubrick's adaptation yeah like not a fan yeah i've read, I've read the book and seen the movie and I, I i i really like both and but i can see how they're pretty different in a lot of ways and he had um his biggest pet peeve is like when he released the book for um his american publisher um took the final chapter out of the book mm. because the final chapter of the book is like um 
So like he gets out of the mental institution um, and like he's being used as a pawn for this like uh, like this rebel faction basically. And then he has uh, an accident where he hits his head and he kind of like goes back to being who he was right and that's where the movie ends Mm -hmm. but the book has a final chapter about how um like he kind of like it's it's like it becomes a coming of age story Mm -hmm. like it like just in the last chapter about like this was out everything before was adolescence and now he's like coming into being like a person you know yeah because like he, he really struggles with like like uh the chaplain in the story is like it's not your fault like it's this fucked up society you live in that's manipulated you which is like a very true part of the story because like even the um nadsat the the dialogue the slang they use um there's a part in the book where it talks about how that is actually propaganda to make youth more violent mm-hmm. like it's um specifically put into society to manipulate it and he just he the character Alex like has such a struggle. Like he's like, no, I am responsible for my actions. Mm. And then as an adult, he's like, no, I wasn't. And right. Taking that out of the, out of the uh, film, um, the American publishers argument was um, well, British audiences might need like a, like a happy ending, but uh, America can handle the edgy, like it mm. ends hard. And he's like, no, that's not, I didn't do it to soften the blow. I did it because that's the, like, this is the resolution. Right. Like you ruined my book. Yeah. And so Kubrick based it off of the American adaptation of the book. So he's like, well, fuck this movie too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think the movie probably gets a, a, a decent amount of the way there to exploring what he was trying yeah. to say in the book but you know for him i guess it wasn't, it for, <laughs> wasn't yeah. yeah i mean authors hardly ever like adaptations so. oh sure <laughs> yeah i know um like the the guy responsible for the witcher um hates hates the games and the show yeah like he doesn't like any of the adaptations right. of it it's got to be tough you know yeah I, I would imagine so uh it's interesting Go, going back to the songs on yeah. the record um the the final track is uh uh, American Splendor, which is uh, named after uh, a series of comics which were adapted into a film uh, by this writer named Harvey Picard. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, but um, basically the the concept of the comics, which were this kind of underground self-published work that became a sensation and grew this big cult following but uh this man like literally just writes comic books about his everyday life and experiences uh no matter how mundane um mm. and he did that just kind of working in obscurity for years wow uh, still had a day job but was uh producing this great work that kind of cast cast light on just like you know ordinary life has these moments of of beauty in it or, or strangeness or pain or whatever but let's let's just look at it that's interesting and um 
eventually this was uh adapted into a film i think he resisted it for a really long time because he, he kind of felt like a movie wouldn't get what he was going for but um the the way the those filmmakers approached it was uh to have uh like part of the film be uh like dramatized uh you know scenes from the work from his life uh it stars paul giamatti as harvey um and then part of the movie is a documentary with the real harvey where they interview him and kind of follow him around yeah interesting so in a way in a way i think they succeeded at kind of uh striking oh. that balance and um kind of uh that's like oddly faithful yeah yeah um i think that's the only way they could have done it but um uh it's, it's interesting like i think i think the only reason he ended up giving the rights to do it was because they offered to pay him enough that he could finally retire from his day job <laughs> like mm. after all these years of just kind of working and creating this art and that inspired me like you know i i uh am really passionate about uh creating music and uh kind of doing what uh i think is authentic oh yeah to me in that um but that's not gonna be something that's like super popular i feel like i'm not necessarily going for what's going to appeal to everybody oh yeah you're you're very much so a real artist man like um, (laughs) thank you i appreciate that it's it's extremely vulnerable and raw like um just marriage is is a incredible record um yeah like you 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 both clearly put like your heart and soul like the whole band put their heart and soul into the creation of that piece of work um i'm very interested to listen to cinnamon junkie as well is there um is there a court so i guess there's a version of this that isn't live available yeah, as well yeah we uh that's that's been out for years um that was our first release way back in 2016 um we had barely been a band for i it was less than a year when we made that record um i'd written these songs um i'd finally uh put together a, a group of people that I could perform with uh I was I was 27 when we first played a show I feel like that's a lot later man to this than a lot of people get started um and I'd had these songs that I've been writing for years uh when we finally like started trying to pursue it in some way wow um and so uh we we did uh want to like immediately get these songs recorded uh and i'm i'm proud of that record but in a way i feel like we also kind of weren't really prepared to do it justice in some ways i i feel like there's some rough edges and definitely some things that we would have done differently about that uh original recording um it's out there you know i'm not it's not uh like a disown it or yeah take it down or anything people can hear it but um i I always kind of, as we developed as a band, we changed drummers a couple of times. And um, the guy that we've been with for uh, for years now, uh, our friend John D. Miller, uh, I, I feel like when he joined uh, was really a moment where things clicked and we kind of like found our sound and, and style as a band more so than we had before that. Yeah, I can't really imagine the Dangerous Method without John. <laughs> yeah. 
um he he brings a lot to it he's he's an incredible musician he has uh such a sense of of dynamics and has such energy and um he he kind of brings something to it that we didn't have before um so ever since we kind of got to that point i really had thought a lot about revisiting uh our first album and come up with some kind of new version of it and um uh, I, I had thought about a live record and what it would take to do that uh, for a long time. And um, is, I mean, sidebar, I, I, I've loved live albums my whole life. Like uh, there's something about that that I just find really compelling. Um, going back to stuff like uh, The Who Live at Leeds, uh, there was a Crosby Stills and Nash, Crosby Stills Nash and oh, Young, yeah. Four Way yeah. Street is an album yeah, that I grew up with that I loved a lot. Um, there's oh, just, yeah, it's a great record. Yeah, there, there's just something about a live rock record that just feels so different and cool to me. Mm. And um, I, I wanted to do one of our own for a long time. And uh, the idea of, of coming up with an a, a revisiting of cinema junkie yeah those two kind of dovetail together i wasn't sure how to do that um but then the whole covid thing happened and it kind of changed everything i was stuck inside we didn't really get the chance to to practice or play as a band for uh like over a year um a lot going on in the world and in our lives and uh that was kind of a weird reset point for all of us you know as as we all sure. know um but uh when i when i heard about the five spot doing these uh these sort of quarantine live stream shows that was I, a weird time it was I remember yeah them doing that too um and I, I watched a few and i i i felt like they were really doing the production at a at a high level of quality more so than i was seeing from a lot of places yeah i was impressed by it and uh figuring out that that was something that was accessible to us like they would they would have us <laughs> for that um which was cool because we never we never gotten booked at the five spot before that <laughs> oh wow so us, us playing for that live stream was our first time getting to play there uh on top so of, is this you guys and the staff or like a handful yeah of uh just just two other people one guy wow. one guy running sound one guy running cameras holy shit uh so yeah um that's that's why uh the full title of the record is uh C cinema junkie live for no one at the five spot is we played uh just to an empty room just to just to the two of them uh run it for us um which was uh kind of a strange feeling mm. um yeah that but uh you know when we knew we were going to do this um the idea of performing cinema junkie all the way through kind of came back to me and i was like uh let's like get really really prepared for this and uh if we do it right this can be the version of these songs and of this record that we have always like heard in our heads you know in a way yeah um so we we practiced really really hard and it was our first time really getting back together to practice in a long time and I think uh we just kind of had this this pinup energy and this frustration and fear that was in all of our 
minds and hearts for all that time. And I think that when we when we went to do this performance, that really kind of came through in it. <laughs> um, that I mean that that energy probably <clears throat> adds something like really really unique to the recording. Yeah. And um uh we uh you know we're we're usually just a three-piece band, but um we we decided uh to to add some guests to kind of uh fill it out and 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 make it like more of the full vision of uh the record and and of what we wanted these songs to sound like so um we uh we got my sister also whose name is emily <laughs> um who had sung on some songs on the original cinema junkie um we got her to uh to do uh backing vocals at the live stream with us um we also uh got our friend uh, michael Rand, who you know yeah uh, of now of taxiway um yeah we we were starting the taxiway project right around the same time that we we did this performance oh wow um, so okay. that, that was all kind of happening we were like trying to figure stuff out for and another prolific artist man <laughs> michael Very michael's talented. amazing yeah um but uh he he had played with us uh a number of times before uh we were in a band together called blind tigers uh <laughs> before uh uh, I remember the well. name yeah. seeing it on bills I don't think I ever saw blind tigers yeah. but I remember the name so um that was a project that Mike started with our other friend Rory and um back at the beginning of the dangerous method um they were kind of the first band that uh we sort of like became tight with and got to know through playing shows and, and being around in the scene that's awesome and uh we kind of had this bond from from the beginning uh Every year for, uh, I guess, about six years in a row, our first six years as a band, uh, we did a special show every December called Blind and Dangerous, where we combined <laughs> members of Blind Tigers and the Dangerous Method. That's awesome. And um, played on each other's songs and kind of came up with a unique set each year for that special show. Um, so all that to say uh, that Mike had played with us a lot. Um, before that and already knew a lot of these songs and uh we were looking for somebody to uh to join us for this performance and and who better than than mike who yeah uh, who already uh had been part of this for a long time so that makes sense yeah and um uh so uh and all all of that came about because uh they they said that the maximum number of people who could participate in the performance uh, with the restrictions and rules they had under these kind of quarantine mm. guidelines was was five people mm. so i'm like if we can use five people i'm going to use all five people yeah <laughs> and um i was i was really uh I, I we we practiced the five of us quite a lot and really focused in on on bringing out the best of these songs and uh I think when the time came to do it uh it really just came together in a way that uh couldn't have happened any other way you know so you had mic'd it up in such a way that you knew it was going to eventually be released as an album that was the hope uh yeah, yeah uh, that's that's kind of what we uh were wanting to achieve when we mm -hmm. went into it um and we're like, well, we get one shot at this. It is live. Um, so if we if we mess this up, <laughs> it's not going to work out. Uh, but uh, 
at the end of the day, like we, we felt like we, we, we nailed it. We got it in the one take and uh, we were able to, to take the tracks from that. Um, we got our friend uh, Mike Tristan to, uh, to take the tracks and, and uh, do a, do a mix of it for us. And, nice. uh, um, I, I'm like, I can't express how proud I am of how this record came out. It's, it's maybe my favorite thing we've ever done. It, it, it's a real lightning in a bottle, uh, kind of thing. And I, I think, uh, that even if people have heard the original album, this is going to be something new for them that, uh, uh, hope, hopefully tops it, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, uh, we, we'd also, we'd been wanting to, to release music on vinyl for a long time. And, uh, when we got, oh, this is your first vinyl. This is our first vinyl. Um, gotcha. And when, when we got the mix and heard it and we, we were just so impressed at, at how it had turned out and how everybody's work had gone into it. And, um, we're like, yeah, this, this is, this now's the time this this has got to be the first thing we, we put on vinyl. yeah that's very cool man um it's it's an interesting thing to like i mean just the story going into that is is fascinating yeah um it's it's a bold choice like um is is there a video of that recording i guess not there there is actually yeah so they, they live streamed it we got the video from it too um I have been uh, kind of holding on to that yeah, in the archives. I understand. But, uh, uh, I, I think uh, once once we have the record out, we are gonna we are gonna oh, put cool. some of the video out as well. So. Right on. And I guess uh, this album will also be available digitally. Yeah, it is. Um, we uh, are selling it through Bandcamp. You can you can purchase it digitally there if that's something you're into. I don't think there's too many people who are these days, but mm. uh, but uh, it's gonna be on all the streaming platforms too. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if if you're if you're nasty and you like uh, physical objects, uh, <laughs> would definitely encourage uh, checking out the vinyl. Um, so we, if I could show this, oh yes, please um, do. So we did a full run of uh, just regular black records. Those yeah. are all available. But um, I, I was talking to Brian Hemlin briefly mm -hmm. before we. Uh, before we sat down and he was mm -hmm. like make sure joe shows off the album <laughs> of course yeah so um this is uh, a special edition of it um there are only 25 of these um made by beautiful. yeah there's this company uh called wax major yeah. records out of cleveland ohio um who specializes in just like this totally unique uh sort of uh colored vinyl that is really a work of art in itself um we were fortunate enough to get them to to do a limited run of those um we've pre-sold uh the majority of them but there's still like a handful of these that people can still buy can, do you mind um centering that on the camera i'll let you know when it's when it's kind of in focus <laughs> sure yeah so like um like a little bit down okay yeah yeah, that's good. So you can see the color. That's all just like colored wax that was swirled together. Um, there's this is the design that they call a label blowout. So they took pieces of the label and uh, that's embedded in inside the record. Wow. And um, just the color is beautiful. Um, 
they're all a similar color scheme and design, but each one of the wax mages is, uh, is unique and is its own thing. Um, so we're really happy with how these came out and uh, excited for people to get them. It's a um, unique object for a unique record. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, this uh, belongs in in such a package. For sure. sure. <laughs> for sure. What's um what's next for you guys? Are you working on anything? Well, uh in fact, uh I haven't talked about this a ton yet, but uh in, <laughs> uh -oh. in addition to uh this live album, which we've been hyping up and getting ready to put out, um, we've had a whole uh studio album uh in the can done for oh for uh yeah coming up on a year now so when you say done you mean not just recorded but yeah mixed wow. mixed mastered all the way uh ready to go so um you know people are gonna get to find out more about that pretty soon yeah. after we've after we've sure gotten this out in the world so um i i'd love to have you on again sometime maybe <laughs> yeah. promote that one sure yeah be happy to do it man uh so when this episode goes up the next very next day will be when you're um i, I guess you're releasing the record the same day as the same, show same day as the okay. show yeah so um tomorrow you need to be at the vinyl lounge um i don't care what you have going on that night clear it because you're going <laughs> to want to be here um to see the dangerous method and also pick up one of these because there's only a few left yeah. um so definitely don't miss that uh, we've we're about at an hour so i think uh we we kind of covered was there anything else you want to talk about about the record uh i we we covered a lot i i feel like uh i've kind of talked through it but uh again um you know i definitely want to uh give a shout out to my bandmates i haven't like yeah. acknowledged them enough maybe but uh like uh my wife emily who plays bass uh in the dangerous method as well as uh our friend john miller who is uh just an amazing friend he's an amazing dad uh a great musician um no kidding yeah uh, and uh you know i i spent a lot of my life like longing for people to to play with mm. and not having that and yeah uh just the fact that i have uh this band that i feel so in sync with and connected to and uh just that uh i can i can rely on in a big way yeah. it mean, means so much to me and uh i i i can never show my appreciation to to both of them enough and you you have a very inspiring story man because like you said <laughs> the dangerous method started at 20 when you were 27 and yeah. that's like i'm i'm 27 now and i feel like i'm <laughs> late on a lot of stuff but it's like it just like you can no matter what your uh excuse you try to give yourself like you can do whatever you want to do yeah uh, yeah and that was uh a big thing for me was realizing that it wasn't too late to to start yeah and uh, I don't feel like we were uh, all that good for a while, <laughs> but with anything, it's going to take time sure. to get to where you want to be. Um, and after we've, we've been a band now for over eight years, man. And 
I feel like we've really just grown and, and kept getting better over that time. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been keeping up with you guys for, I guess, probably like five years and cool. like, yeah. You, yeah, it's, it's, I, I mean, I've, I see the growth, but like you, you guys are in, insanely talented, very great songwriters. Um, like um, something my producer and kind of talks about is like, you have, you have musicians, you have performers, and you have songwriters and you very rarely get all three. <laughs> and I think that the dangerous method is all three of those. I things. appreciate that, man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. Ab absolutely. Check out the dangerous method. Um, li links below to, I, I probably, probably uh, convince Joe to give me a link to this um, or, or yeah, at <laughs> least not when this goes up, I'll put it up later cool. and um, be at the vinyl lounge. Um, thank you so much again, Joe. This has of been course, great, yeah. man. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.